Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. You'll turn with us, please, to I get all this straightened out here. Psalm 100. Classified as a psalm of praise. We need to be praising the Lord down here. But this psalm happens in heaven, I believe. It's just being foretold of what's going to take place when we get there. When everybody gets there. When all the tribulation and stuff is over and we're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be free to praise him throughout all eternity. But Psalm 100, the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth unto all generations. Thank you, Father, for these wonderful words. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege that you've given to all of those who will come to know you as personal Savior, that we will see him face to face in heaven. Can't wait, but Lord, help us while we're here that we might be ready for your coming. Now, bless today as only you can do. We worship you. We praise you. If there's one here that's lost, touch their hearts. Help them to realize that, that they might call out to you before it's everlasting too late. Thank you for your love. And thank you that we can make a joyful noise down here while we are awaiting your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We welcome all of you. We appreciate you coming, all of you here and on radio, YouTube, wherever you may be. We appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you coming this morning. We ask for your prayers. But this is a psalm of praise. Don't know who wrote it, but as you read it, He surely had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, even though it was in Old Testament times. He knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at this, it is used in connection with sacrifices of thanksgiving, peace offerings. And that peace offering was the last offering that was brought to the temple or to the uh, ark where they met. But it was offered in gratitude for tender mercies received from the Lord. Do we do that? 
Do we offer our praise for the tender mercies of what the Lord has done for us and what he's given to us and what he's promised to do for us? I sure hope we do. But true expressions of thanksgiving flow from appreciation of all that God has done in Christ. We could never repay him. We can never thank him enough. But we can give him our hearts and our lives to be used as he sees fit for his kingdom and for his glory. And I tell you, when you do that, you won't find anything any better than serving the Lord. The psalm is prophetic. It anticipates the day when Jesus will reign from sea to sea and shore to shore. And he'll do it after the tribulation period, when he comes back and sets up his throne here in Jerusalem to rule and to reign for a thousand years, and we will be with him. We will be serving him. Whatever position we have that he gives unto us as Christians, you know, we won't get tired. We won't have to go home and take a nap. We may do in that time, I don't know. But uh, we'll always be ready to serve the Lord. But as we look at this message this morning, praising God, the first thing we want to look at is approaching God. Look at verse 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Thank the Lord for good singing, for good songs that magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank the Lord that we can praise him right here in this service, outside. Doesn't matter where it is. We can praise him for what he does for us. But as we look at this psalm, the setting is the millennial, the thousand-year reign. The church has already been called up to heaven. Tribulation has taken place three and a half years. It was good. You read the Bible. But that last three and a half years, folks, you don't want to be here. It's going to be absolutely terrible. And I will say, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ when the rapture takes place, it will be mighty hard for you to get saved who have heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ after that period. But all during that thousand years, people are going to be born. They're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, none other from the Lord himself and from all of us who are there. They will have that chance to be saved. But if you do not accept the Lord before that time, the Bible says that you will be given a strong delusion that you cannot believe. What a terrible time for those who will go through their life here before the rapture and not be able to hear the gospel and understand it to be saved after that. Terrible time. But the setting is the millennial. The place is Jerusalem. 
You know, the Arabs, they want Jerusalem. They want to wipe Israel plumb off the face of the earth. But I got news for them. <laughs> It'll never happen. God is in control. There may be a lot of things will take place, but they'll never get control of Jerusalem. That's where God's going to set his throne up. And for a thousand years, he's going to rule this earth from right there in Jerusalem. Yes, the setting, the millennial, the place, Jerusalem, and the scene is the temple. They don't have a temple now. It was destroyed. Along with Jerusalem in 70 A.D. by Titus, the Roman general, came in and just took stone after stone apart. But in 1948, Israel became a nation again, setting into place the things that we read about what's going to take place in the last days. But you know, the occasion is the coronation of Jesus as priest king. Won't that be great? Man, we'll get to see him. I don't know what's going to take place. I don't know what kind of music we'll hear, whether the angels will sing. Of course, I never do read in the Bible anywhere that the angels can sing, but they say they praise the Lord, and we will too. But what a time that's going to be. The gates of the city are open. The middle wall of partition is gone. The courts are open to all people that on earth do dwell, and everyone can come and worship God in that temple. So in the Old Testament, they had barriers. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies one time a year, and he took a sacrifice for all the people. The inner court was for the Jewish people only. Outsiders couldn't go in that place. Only the Jewish nation. The outer court, the Gentiles could come, and that as far as they could go. But aren't you glad in that new temple, all of us will go into that temple? All of us will be worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? All of us will be that bowing down in praise and honor and glory and what a wonderful, merciful Savior we will see face to face. I can't wait. <laughs> Man. But it's going to be unrivaled harmony like we have never seen. I don't mean it in a derogative way, but sometimes this group says something, sometimes this group says something, and we just can't come together. That's human. But who's going to be in charge at that time? King Jesus. There's going to be harmony. Unrivaled like you've never seen on this earth. What the psalmist sees and hears is the shout of the people at the crowning of a popular king. And it's going to be a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. What a sigh of relief when the people realize 
the nightmare is over. That seven-year period of terrible actions taking place. According to Revelation 19, verse 20, the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. According to Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to, through 3, Satan has been chained in the bottomless pit. Won't have to worry about him anymore. And for a thousand years, there's going to be peace. King Jesus is going to be the king. He's going to be ruling. Oh, war has been abolished. No more deserts or droughts. No more lawlessness. No more rebellion. Corruption is gone. Crime is gone. No more doctors. No more lawyers. No more nurses. No more morticians. Can you imagine? For a thousand years. All because of a wonderful king with the nail-scarred hands. It'd be like the spokes of a wheel. You know a wagon wheel, it's got that hub right in the middle. And the spokes, the further you go out, the farther apart they get. But everything's going to be leading right towards Jerusalem. And when you get there, it's going to get closer and closer. King Jesus is going to be in charge. When Jesus comes, the nations will have just such a center. Now, they can't even hardly get along. Something's going on all the time. But during that time, they'll get along because they'll have one king, one savior, King Jesus. It'll be unrestrained happiness. Come before his presence. And when you come before his presence, we will see his face. A face of love. A face of hope. A face that will absolutely cause us to forget what this life was all about. Won't have the eggs. I won't have to go to get surgery anymore. I'll have perfect vision. So will you. I won't have to worry about a bum knee. I'll have a perfect knee. I can run a marathon and not get tired. Isn't that worthy to look forward to? What in this world can take the place of that? What will cause us to forget about what Jesus has promised for us in the future? That we get so attached to this world that we forget about what Jesus said and what he's done for us. Oh, in the Old Testament, the Hebrews could do this only from a distance, the Gentiles from an even greater distance coming to the temple. 
But it won't be so in that period. Unless you were a priest, you couldn't go any further than the doors. But now, we can come in through the throne room of the Lord Jesus Christ through prayer. Then we'll be able to see him face to face. And it's no wonder the psalmist started this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. No wonder he had a wonderful attitude. But you know, how'd that all come to, about? Well, Calvary changed all that. We were lost and undone. Deserving of hell. But Jesus loved us so much that he went to Calvary. And he changed all that. He gave us the opportunity and direct access into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also see apprehending him in verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we, are, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Threefold truth concerning the king. First of all, his person. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. And that's translated Jehovah. Elohim. That is the truth concerning his person. That is who he is. He is God. That'll be the first great lesson that we will learn. Nations have been steeped in idolatry and religion, but they will learn from God's sovereign dealings with Israel. This is the first and foremost basic truth. All others are out of proportion. Yes, God called the nation of Israel. And through Israel, through the prophets that were sent from Israel, they began to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ all over the world. And we heard the truth. And through the spirit that out there speaking to everybody, we can accept the truth. Bring it into our hearts and our lives and live that Christian life. And it's all because of his person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jehovah, Elohim, God, he loves us. It takes only a new meaning when they realize that the Old Testament Jehovah in the New Testament is Jesus. You talk to some people and they say, well, Jesus just came into being in Bethlehem. No, Jesus walked with Adam and Eve. Jesus walked with Enoch. Jesus walked with Noah. Jesus walked with Elijah. Jesus walked with Joshua, with Moses, even in the Old Testament. 
man, I can't wait to walk down the streets of glory with King Jesus. I won't be walking on desert sand, the rocks of the mountains, but in that new city, I'll be walking on streets of gold. I'll be seeing gates of pearl, walls of jasper. I won't have this old limp. I won't have these bad eyes. Neither will you. We'll be walking with King Jesus all over that new place that he's promised for us. But throughout the church age, people have been coming to Christ and getting to know him better. Throughout the coming kingdom age, people will be drawn to him and will come to him to know him better. What a wonderful person he is. But during that thousand years, they, they, they say a generation is 40 years. So there's going to be 25 generations born. They need to know the Lord. And someone, the church, you, me, I believe this is correct, but we'll get to witness to them because God changed our heart. But there will be those in that thousand year that, that won't come just like it is now. And at the end of the thousand years, they will side with Satan and they will try to come against Jerusalem. And the Bible says an army of 200 million I can't imagine that. They'll walk towards Jerusalem. <laughs> but just like that, God destroys them. Israel won't have to fire a shot. God finally gets, if you can put it this way, tired of sin and rebellion. And then after that, judgment comes. You don't want to be in that number. And I've said it several times. You won't have another chance. You'll be taken over to the bottomless pit there where hell is. And that angel will drop you in with no hope. Man, what a wonderful Savior we have. But we see his power. The Bible says it's he that made us, created us, everything about us, our wisdom, our nature, our smarts, he gave it to us. It's he that hath made us. Not we ourselves. But the Lord made 
that nation, the nation of Israel, began with Abraham, who was steeped in idolatry. But God came to him one day and said, get out of here, Abraham. I want to use you to begin my people. And Abraham was obedient. And then there was Isaac. And then Jacob. And then the 12 sons who became the patriarchs of the 12 tribes. And then they were multiplied into a great nation. At the time of the Psalms, events have been repeated. They have been uprooted and scattered on a number of occasions. But God made them a nation again. And then they would forget God and God would scatter them again. But in 1948, God did it permanently, I believe. And oh, what a nation they will become. Greatest nation that will ever arise on the face of the earth. America might think it's the greatest, but America won't be anything during that time. But as the millennial age dawns, the Hebrew people will bear this testimony to the world. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. They will know it then, but they don't know it yet. They're putting their alliances or trust in alliances, armed forces, political and economic influences. Even in their financial geniuses, their natural ability. But it's God who has made us and not we ourselves. But we see his purpose. The Bible says of the Jews, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. David recognized that fact on a personal level in Psalms 23 when he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And that four little words right there, five words, it's been a great source of comfort to a lot of people, especially the Christian people. To be able to say that the Lord is my shepherd lets people know that we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Plus, it gives us an assurance in our heart. I don't have to look for another shepherd. I don't have to worry about the shepherd going astray. Because as you read the Old Testament, the shepherd goes out in front of the sheep. And at night when he comes into those barriers, he's in the doorway. He is the protector. I'm so thankful that King Jesus is my shepherd. As David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. But as we look at these, 
As the Lord's sheep, Christians are characterized by the word flock. As in John 10, 16, there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The Greek word here is piame. It occurs only four times in the New Testament. Matthew 26, Luke 2, 8, Zechariah 13, 7, 1 Corinthians 9, 7 where Paul speaks of his right as a minister of the gospel to be financially supported in the work who feedeth a flock. But it's Jesus who takes care of us, the church. It's the same word used, there shall be one flock and one shepherd. A flock is marked by a sinner. Jesus is the gathering center of the flock. His sheep gather around him, just like it's pictured in the Old Testament. Jesus says in the New, my sheep know my voice. Israel, on the other hand, is characterized by the word fold. John 10, 16, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And the difference in the wording there, this word for this is A-U-L-E, signifying a place. A place in the open air enclosed by a circle of stones with an entrance. Shepherd places himself at the door as their protector. A flock is characterized by a center. A fold is characterized by a circumference. The center of the church is Israel's protector in the fold. In John 10, 1, Jesus describes the Jewish fold. He spoke of thieves and robbers who refused and rejected him, seeking access by some other way. They wanted to climb over to get in. Sheep are defenseless. They're vulnerable they're not strong, they're not swift or smart. They have little defense against its enemies, and they're scattered easily. But who makes the difference? The shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Israel's sheepfold was the promised land. Led Abraham and all of those descendants to go to the promised land. And there, I want you to stay, the Lord said, so he could be their shepherd. But because they refused, on a number of occasions, God had to take them out to a different place. But when they repented, God would bring them back to that fold. He would bring them back to Jerusalem. But today there are many Jews scattered throughout the world waiting for the time when they will come back together and they will recognize King Jesus as their king. The third thing we see appreciating God in verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, appreciating what God has done. We ought to come to him 
thankfully. At that time, it'll be at the temple. And that time, they'll be arriving at the truth. They'll also be communing with God thoughtfully. In verse 5, it says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. As you read that verse, there's three things there. The Lord is good. This is an essential fact. Of course, Jesus said, there's none good but the Father. Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit, three in one. And so the Lord is good, an essential fact. His mercy is everlasting, and this is an eternal fact. It'll always be everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations, and this is an enduring It'll never cease to be. Bible says not one prophecy will fail. When are we going to see all of this? In that thousand year period. And then from then all out. For the Christian. But as we close. I'm going to leave you with two things. Just very short. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it will die. Jesus said that. We're all sinners. We're all doomed to die. But the second thing takes care of that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a relief that is. Spiritually, to know that when we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. We won't have to worry about that tribulation period, seven years of hard times. Won't have to worry about the grief, the many deaths that's going to take place during that time. Because the church will be raptured out before. Don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus said in Thessalonians, let me tell you what's going to take place. Yes, all of those that have gone before, when Jesus steps out on that cloud, those people will be right behind Jesus. And as they get here, the graves are going to burst open for the saved. Not the lost, but the saved. They will rise. And then we which are alive and remain shall be changed in a twinkling of an eye. And then we both will go up together with Jesus and the church or those that have died with him. Man, can't wait. But do you have a lost loved one? 
that you're concerned about? Are we concerned enough that we'll talk to them, explain to them the plan of salvation, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he wants to do for and with his children? Jesus is wonderful. Yes, I'm talking about that period down the road. But you know, he's with us today through the Spirit. And we can enjoy living today because of his Spirit and how he has changed our heart and life. Many people just go from day to day, week to week, year to year, not knowing what's going to take place. No, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know the one who does. And all I got to do is trust him. And all you got to do is trust him. And then you can walk in confidence in the assurance that you're going to be with him no matter what. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And we pray that you would continue to touch us and help us to live for you. And if there's one here that's lost, help them to realize that also, that they need King Jesus as their Savior. And may your will be done. Forgive us where we fail you. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.